The following sermon audio. The following sermon audio. The following sermon audio is a presentation of First International Baptist Church of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. We're going to continue in the sermon series we've had all summer, The Kingdom Come, uh, where we're studying the parables of Jesus and we're learning what God's kingdom is like. And today I want to talk to you about home. And I think home is a concept that a lot of the people in this room understand very well. And I think we all understand the concept of home so well because so many of us have left home behind to go somewhere very new and in some cases very foreign. Most people in this room at some point or another have left home. And for some of us, it's not our homeland, and it's not the customs we know, and it's not the people we know, and Danish is hard and sounds weird. It's hard for me. Uh, but we left home for good reasons. We found jobs, we found a new spouse maybe, or we had to move for family reasons. Some of us didn't move by choice, but we're refugees. But regardless of the reason, you left. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells the story of a young man who left home. But this young man did not leave home under such good circumstances. And you can find the story in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. If you're familiar with the Bible, uh, you've probably heard of this parable before. It often goes by the name of the parable of the prodigal son or the parable of the lost son. But in all truth, it's about far more than a lost son. This parable is one of the most detailed and intricate parables in all of the Gospels. It has multiple characters, and we receive insight into each of those characters' motivations, thoughts, and feelings. But today, I'm going to focus primarily on two of those characters. That's the character of the father and of the younger son. And I want to show you what the kingdom of God is like through those two people. This parable, the parable of the lost son, follows two other parables in chapter 15. The parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And together, these three parables form an answer to the Pharisees who were grumbling about the fact that Jesus ate with very obvious sinners. And in true Jesus style, he answers them with a story. And the third story, the parable of the lost son, begins like this. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. The son's request may not seem like a big deal to us today, after all, it just seems like he's asking for his share of the inheritance, and what's so bad about that? However, what the son did was something truly terrible, selfish, and hateful. Asking his dad for his share of the inheritance is the same as saying, Dad, you're no good to me living. I'd rather you be dead so I can have my share of the money. So why don't you just die? And so the father divided his property and gave it to the son. Unfortunately, the son's terrible behavior continued. 
and something that would have shocked Jesus' Pharisee Jewish listeners, the son did another terrible, very un-Jewish thing. He went to a distant country, which the Pharisees would have heard as sinful Gentile territory. The son not only wished his father was dead, but he abandoned his Jewish ways, culture, and home. He left the place where he was so deeply and perfectly loved by his father and abandoned everything he had known in this loving home experience to experience wild living and partying. And the son did party, and he partied hard. And after partying a little too hard, things took a turn for the worse. Famine struck this far-off country, and the son began to starve. His money sure didn't last very long. Having wasted and lost all of his money, he hired himself out to a farmer who happened to farm the most unclean animal imaginable to a Jewish listener, pigs. Rabbis felt so strongly about farming pigs that they said things like, cursed be the man who would breed swine, and cursed be the man who would teach his son Grecian wisdom. The son was doing something terrible in Jewish eyes. But even though the son got a job, he was still starving. He was so hungry that he wanted to eat the food that the farmer was feeding to the pigs, but no one would give him any. And there, starving in a filthy pig pen, in an unclean country, surrounded by unclean animals, the son came to his senses. Verses 17 through, verses 17 through 19 say, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Can you imagine how it would feel to return home after you had done all of that? Imagine that you had told your parent or your grandparent or someone you loved deeply that you wished they were dead. And then you ran away from them. Imagine having taken their most valuable possession and then having gambled it away. Now imagine having to go back to that person because life's circumstances have put you so low that you have no other choice. I can only imagine how humiliated and low I would feel in that position. The son felt so ashamed of what he had done that he thought that he could only return to his father as a servant. And in that humiliated, disgraced state of mind, the starved son trudged his way back to his father and expected his father, expected to beg to his father so that he could become a lowly servant. In 1520, Jesus changes perspectives and gives us insight into another character's thoughts and feelings, the father. Before I read this portion of the text, I want you to imagine that the father is walking around the grounds of his land and he's surveying the work that's being done. While walking around, he sees someone approaching in the distance. And maybe it was something that he'd been looking for all along. Verse 20 says, 
But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Running wasn't something that respectable Jewish men did. It just wasn't a dignified action. And I think when Luke used the word running in verse 20, I don't think he meant the sort of half-jog that you do when you are a little worried about missing the train. This was a full-on, passionate sprint. The father, filled with compassion and joy at seeing his son, ran as hard and fast as he could to embrace and kiss the son, which is one of the surest signs of forgiveness that he could have done. This image, the father passionately sprinting towards the son, most vividly describes how God feels about us. This image is the heart of the gospel and most clearly shows the heart of our Father in heaven. The son tried his rehearsed speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. But before the son could even finish his appeal for servanthood, the father cut him off and said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The father acknowledged his son's status as a son and threw him a fantastic party complete with meat which was only served at the most special festivals and feasts. But of course, in the US we have a saying, uh, and it's for a person who likes to ruin the party by taking all the fun away. We call that person a party pooper. And every party has a pooper. And when the older brother heard what had happened, he was furious. He'd been home the whole time, doing the right thing, always trying to be perfect and doing what the father said. But the father had never even given him and his friends a goat for a barbecue. Meanwhile, the crazy, sinful younger brother wasted everything away, and he got a party. The father responded to the older son, my son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I think I could easily spend an entire sermon focusing on either of, their brother, either of the brothers and their relationship to the father. But since we're focusing on the younger brother today, I'll just say this about the older brother. It seems that Jesus intended this character to resonate with the Pharisees, he shares their attitudes about sinners entering into the kingdom, and he wasn't happy about it. However, there's no room for that sort of exclusive attitude in God's kingdom. All are welcome, and every return home merits celebration. But maybe with the younger son, it's hard for you to resonate with him. Maybe you're not a partier or a gambler, Maybe you've never looked one of your parents in the face and said, just die already. Give me my inheritance. 
It may seem difficult for you to empathize with the younger son, because maybe you feel that you've never done anything that extreme. I know I had difficulty empathizing and relating to the younger brother. If anything, in my life, I've been more like the older brother. But then someone recommended a book to me called Return of the Prodigal Son by a man named Henry Nouwen. Henry Nouwen was a professor of pastoral care at Yale, and he also spent many years as a caregiver for the severely disabled. Henry Nouwen's book is an extended reflection on, the, on this parable and the three main characters within it. But his section on the younger son helped me understand just how like this character I really am, how like him we all are. And this is the first half of what I want you to see and understand today. Now I wrote about the way that we leave our home where our Father loves us and in the ways in which we continually do this. Now one says, leaving home is then much more than an historical event bound to time and place. It is a denial of the spiritual reality that I belong to God with every part of my being, that God holds me safe in an eternal embrace, and that I am indeed carved into the palms of God's hands and hidden in their shadows. Leaving home means ignoring the truth that God has fashioned me in secret, molded me in the depths of the earth, and knitted me together in my mother's womb. Leaving home is living as though I do not yet have a home and must look far and wide to find one. Home is in God's arms, in our Father's arms, where, where we are perfectly, completely, and wholly loved for who we are. And this is what love is like in the kingdom. Now one reminds us that God continually calls us beloved, and we are home and we live and rest in that love. But like the younger son, we leave that home. We forget that we are passionately loved at home, and we go off to try and find what we already had there. So how do you know if you've left this perfect home where you're loved? Or how do you know if you've never been home before? I think it's easy. Whenever you find yourself placing conditions on what you have to do to earn love, then you've left home and forgotten your status as God's beloved son and daughter. My own temptation and my own strategy to receive this love is to be as agreeable and likable as possible. I never try to argue with anyone and I just try to go along and I think if I can just keep the peace and not cause conflict, then I'll be loved and people will accept me. You know, other people may think things like, if I'm perfect or if I'm successful, if I'm powerful, if I'm funny, if I'm smart, if I'm beautiful, then I'll be loved. Those are conditions that we place to earn love. And any time you see these if-then thoughts popping up in your head, if I do this, then I'll get love, you've left home. Now one comments on this aspect of all of our lives by saying, I am the prodigal son every time I search for unconditional love where it cannot be found. Why do I keep ignoring the place of true love and persist in looking for it elsewhere? Why do I keep leaving home where I am called a child of God, the beloved of my father? Beneath it all is the great rebellion, the radical no to the father's love 
The unspoken curse, I wish you were dead. The prodigal son's no reflects Adam's original rebellion. His rejection of God in whose love we are created and by whose love we are sustained. So here we are. A bunch of rebellious runaways, people who reject our father's unconditional love, prodigal sons and daughters trying to get love where it cannot be found. Thankfully, being a runaway prodigal son or daughter doesn't have to be the whole story. And it certainly wasn't the whole story in the parable. The second half of what I want you to see today is this. Just like the father in the story, our Heavenly Father is merciful, forgiving, and filled with joy on our return. God welcomes us back into his kingdom with passionate open arms. He runs towards us. God doesn't say in an exasperated tone, uh, I guess I'll take you back now. No, God joyfully proclaims, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Our Heavenly Father excitedly and unconditionally acknowledges our status as his sons and daughters. The kingdom of God delights in reconciliation, the restoration of broken relationships, and homecoming. Reconciliation is at the core of this. Our Heavenly Father has made a way for us to come back to him no matter how many times we have left, because we forget how deeply loved we are. He has made a way for everyone to come back to him, and he works toward that goal. Colossians chapter 1 contains a magnificent description of Jesus Christ and the Father. It describes God's relationship to all of creation and how the Son fits into it all. In describing God's relationship to Christ, beginning in verse 17 of Colossians chapter 1, it says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated to God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. This passage in Colossians states exactly what the father says when the younger son returns home and the older brother complains about the celebration. The father tells him, For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. We, like the younger son, have the ability to come home because of our Heavenly Father's great love for us. His mercy never ends, and we don't have to worry that he won't take us back because of anything that we've done. God looks for us to come home, and he is willing to sprint towards us so he can embrace us and welcome us back. Today, I want you to think about whether or not you're living at home in the Father's love. Look for ways you're trying to earn unconditional love elsewhere by placing conditions on what you have to do to earn it. When you find these if-then patterns in your life, be like the younger son and go home to your father 
where you are perfectly loved. We'll all make this movement countless times throughout our lives, but I hope that you're able to live in the recognition that our Heavenly Father loves us deeply and truly desires to be with all of us. And I hope that you can peacefully rest in that love. If you've never known God's love in this way before, know that he has made a way back, a way for you to come back to him, and that he desires to call you his son or daughter. Go home to God. Pray to him and ask, ask for forgiveness for leaving home. Stop looking for perfect love where it can't be found. God is ready for you to come home and is eagerly waiting for you. Please pray with me. This has been a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. To listen to more sermon podcasts or to learn more about FIBC, please visit www.fibc.dk or facebook.com forward slash FIBC CPH. Thank you for listening.